0: Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more if you haven't yet hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast now on with the show it is voice expert meredith colby she's the creator of neuro vocal for popular styles an innovative approach to teaching singing for popular styles based on brain science she's the author of money notes how to sing high loud healthy and forever With 25 years plus as a professional freelance singer and 30 years plus as a vocal coach, Meredith has also been a recording singer-songwriter, led bands, been a theatrical music director, directed choirs, and was an ED of the Center for Voice, a Chicago nonprofit vocal education resource. Meredith lives in the musical mecca of Chicago. Her clients are voice professionals, coaches, and performers, So without further
1: ado, let me bring her on. Hello, hello. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm feeling pretty good, too. I'm excited to be here. I'm feeling so fancy to be on Danielle's show. You are fancy and
0: special. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited to have you here. Just for everyone's information, uh, Meredith and I are in a mastermind group together that is like a very badass mastermind group. It's pretty spectacular. And um, these women are just so smart and savvy. And I often ask myself, what am I doing in this room? And so, we all do though,
1: right? To be fair. I
0: know that we're going to have a very smart conversation tonight, but the, but the big words are going to come from you, if that's okay. okay.
1: <laughs> I'll try to come up with some big words, Danielle. Thank
0: you. I appreciate, appreciate
1: that. <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, hey, you know, I want to get into um, the vocal science and um, your te- teaching methodologies. But first, I want to learn more about you as a singer because that's the side of you that I don't know yet. So take me back in time and tell me how you got started as a singer, what what ignited that um light in you and a little bit about your artist
1: journey back when the earth was cooling off, <laughs> the dinosaurs roamed the planet. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I, Danielle, I remember being 10 years old and thinking to myself, I just assumed everybody wanted to be a singer. And if you weren't a singer, when you grew up, then something bad must've happened to make you <laughs> have to do something else. Right. Cause why would you know, why would you want to be anything else? So, um, You know, there's, there are a lot of pathways I could take through this story, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking about, uh, but I'm, I wanted to learn to sing. My parents were very supportive. Mm -hmm. They got me voice lessons. Nobody said to me. What kind of music do you want to sing? They just said, here's what singing is. Mm. And so I had voice lessons all the way through high school. Just to be clear, the music that I listened to and that I loved was um, R&B, mostly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, some some other stuff, some rock, some singer-songwriter. Loved mm-hmm. Bonnie Raitt. But mostly um, but mostly b And that's what I imagined... I wanted I would be able to sing. That's what I wanted to do was sing in a band, be a band singer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I had voice lessons. And I was learning music I had never heard before in my life, of mm-hmm. course, because it was classical, right? Right. And then I went to college, and I got more classical lessons. And then I found out there was a jazz program in Miami. What? So I went to Miami <laughs> to get a studio music jazz program. What? And I got more classical lessons. Boo. So... Um, at the end of nine years, at this point, I had I was so far from being able to do what I had worked so hard to be able to do mm, because mm-hmm. my voice sounded weird. I didn't know how to sing for the music that I wanted to sing for. Yeah, and I tell that because that's what informs my my current life. <laughs> As I was telling my sister this morning, my entire life is dedicated to making sure nobody else has to experience the drama that I did.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: so, yeah, so that's, the, so, <clears throat> uh, you know, some some stuff went on, but eventually I got on, a, I, went, I auditioned for a road band. And so I was, I went from being a classical singer to singing in a rock band five or six nights a week for three or four hours every night. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened, don't you, Danielle? Yes. You
0: know what happened.
1: <laughs> I crashed <laughs> my voice because that was the only thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, at the end of like nine months or so, I could not speak anymore. That's mm-hmm. so why I had to go back to my parents' house in Minneapolis and recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so after some of that recovering, I moved to Chicago. And I started working with a voice teacher who was a, a jingle singer. Basically, mm-hmm. he also did concerts and stuff. But but he was, you know, very much in the in the popular on mic idiom, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and he like he got it. So he helped me develop this voice that I wanted. Also, I had colleagues, I fr- student friends, you know, from college who helped me as soon as I got here start working. So literally within a month of moving to Chicago, I was working in, in jobbing bands. Um, I don't know what you guys call them. What do you call them in California? Casuals? Yeah. Yeah. Casuals. Yeah. So Corporate like, gigs. <laughs> yeah. You know, social, you know, society bands, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I was working in those bands and, uh, and that's sort of, you know, that was sort of what I did for the next almost 20 years. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, during that time I started to take voice students because I became an evangelist, (laughs) not, not a, not a religious evangelist, a voice evangelist because I was like, I'm going to save all the pop singers from the, evil voice teachers, classical <laughs> voice teachers who are ruining their voices, like what happened to me. So, right. um, yeah, so I, I got a lot of support around that. I w- took some uh, master's level vocal pedagogy. I got mentoring. I got, I mean, the, I just can't say how supportive the community was for me in that mm-hmm. process of sort of making that moving into teaching and then for, um, yeah, almost 20 years, my, my life more or less was teach during the week and sing on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, occasional casino gig where I'd have a six week thing or a cruise ship where I'd have like a two week thing, but mostly it was that for Mm -hmm. that time. And, um, yeah, so that was that. And then all of a sudden I just was done. Hmm. I was just burned out. I was just done. I was mm. sick of carrying heavy gear in three-inch heels. Yes. <laughs> I was sick of getting lost in the suburbs where there was no lighting. Mm-hmm. I was <laughs> I was just like, I was sick of being the only girl on the gig, only female, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the misogyny that happens in the music business, you know, all that stuff. I don't know. I was sick of being ignored as a singer, like nobody listening to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just being the help. I All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was just done. Yeah. Like the, the, the good parts, like I had taken all the good parts out of it. Yeah. And then I wasn't experiencing the good parts anymore. It was just like a job. Right. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to do a job. I'm <laughs> going to do something that... He's better and is more regular. Yeah. But also the other another thing that was interesting that happened is that at the at the end of those singing years, very end, I had the opportunity to sing the national anthem at Kamiski Park. Oh wow. Which cool. now has some corporate name and I don't know. But mm-hmm. you know. So 30,000 people and I and me singing a cappella Mm-hmm. And if I had any sense at all, I would have been very nervous, but I wasn't nervous at all. I just didn't give a shit. I just yeah. didn't care.
0: You were, you were over it.
1: Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, I'm like, what was wrong with me? And and then a couple of years later, I was at, I mean, not too long after that, I was, um, you know, my, my students were having a performance because I didn't have recitals. I would have performance parties. Mm-hmm. Because no one was judging you. It was just like, you know, I'm sitting in front of people, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm at this performance party and I'm realizing I am so nervous. Mm. I do not have any sweat in my, or spit in my mouth. I'm like, like, (laughs) I was so invested in their, them having a positive experience and them having that sense of succeeding.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, oh, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I guess this is what I actually care about.
0: Ah yeah. You know? Wow.
1: That's a big so, light bulb yeah. moment. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I still sing here and there. I mean a couple nights from now I will be singing back up for my recording artist husband at a, a club. Mm-hmm. In, you know, near Chicago. Um so you know, I, I still sing some, but mostly I just I love teaching and now I'm teaching voice coaches as well, which is mm-hmm. even more fun for me.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: also I discovered neuroscience in the middle of all of that. And that turned me into such a huge nerd (laughs) that nobody wants me in their band anymore because I'm too (laughs) huge of a nerd. Oh my God. That's the, that's I know it's kind of long, but it's also the kind of the shortest version I can tell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great journey. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm what I, I caught, at the beginning, there when you're talking about tra- uh, cl- training classically, that is so that is so many people's story, including right. my own. And I was <clears throat> being trained from high school through college, but that was never my chosen genre. I right. mean, my dreams, my desires, my love for music fell far outside. The borders of classical music, which and I did love classical music as well, and I, I loved everything I was doing. But the thing that was lost on me was, what is the trajectory here? What is the plan after <laughs> this <laughs> thing? Because yeah, what's the plan? Seemed be, nobody seemed to be talking about that part. I, I knew a lot of singers who planned to um, just further their education and go into teaching and everything, um, but. It was rare for me to e- even hear about the classical singer pursuing it professionally. What What was your experience, and, and w- what were you hearing about? What's What happens <laughs> beyond the
1: classes? Yeah, no, I, I I share that experience with you, Danielle. I remember thinking, especially when I was a senior, like, what's the plan here? Right like I have these skills I can yeah. sight read I can I'm pretty good at ears I can kind of get around a piano keyboard like I, and <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know how to get work I I don't like yeah what well, what's the plan here
0: right right and it seems like now and it seems like maybe kind of just now things are changing a lot in the Academic world when it comes to you know the way they're at least as far as the um, variety of genres that they offer and the different styles and everything and what do you think uh, what's the current status of actual like work training going (laughs) or training to be a professional?
1: You know, I I, I'm I will agree with you that things are changing, but I am not going to agree with you on things are changing a lot. Okay. Because yeah. I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, just, okay, just as a reflection of the mentality, mm-hmm. if your daughter, I know she's way too young for this, but let's pretend she's not, mm-hmm. um, she's going to, she wants to go to college for for singing or for music, right? Mm-hmm. When she looks at college programs, the designation music means classical music. Yeah even though the music consumed in the world of Mm -hmm. classical music is one to 2%. That's including singing. That's Mm -hmm. all the classical music. Right. So it's a tiny little niche. And yet in academia, music means classical music. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, and still the overwhelming number of programs are just classical And if you if you want to study something else, then that thing has the designation. So Mm -hmm. music hyphen jazz, music hyphen, music theater, music hyphen contemporary, you know, there Mm -hmm. and there are some there are a few programs. Like I heard I know my alma mater University of Miami now has a sort of a build your own music major Mm -hmm. where they actually offer classes in business as part of your So that you can learn how to be a freelancer. Yeah. Um, so so people can do that. People can learn how to be uh, musicians, but also University of Miami is like 70K a year. Yeah. What musician, what freelance musician is gonna make that kind of money that right. they're gonna right?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's that's the point.
1: A lot of money, man, yeah. to get a music degree. Where, and by the way, I don't know what your experience has been, Danielle. But I have been a professional musician for like mm, 30 some years now. And um, no one has ever asked me for my degree. Never. right? Ever. Oh, never. Yeah, good point. Nobody gives a <laughs> rip
0: whether I graduated
1: or not yeah. from a college. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not great. I mean, mm-hmm. colleges are, are, are a great little incubator. You can be in this alternate reality of just being in the knowledge and exploring and being in community and really it's like this huge growth opportunity so i don't want to say that that's not a good thing it's a great thing is it mm-hmm. worth $280,000 yeah yeah that i i don't know i don't know anymore you know yeah yeah so um yeah so th- that's that's kind of the thing. It's, mm-hmm. I, I think people need to consider, I, I think people need to know what they're looking at and what they're looking for when they're going to college for a degree.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, I think there's, I, I believe I gained so much. It wasn't anything to do with what my future career, professional career would be. It was more, it heightened my appreciation of music. True. It broadened my, uh, you know, just understanding of music, yeah. musicianship. It, it expanded my network of musicians that I would come to know, you yeah. know, for, for many years. So, so that, you know, um, was really beneficial, but you pay that price tag and then also later find out that you've got to, learn a whole different part of the business just out on the streets on your own. (laughs) Right, right. On the job
1: training. Which is why I think your thing is so, so important, so vital, and so helpful. And I'm so grateful that you have it. I point my clients at your Unstoppable Summit all the time. Mm -hmm. Not a month goes by when I'm like, not like, well, you need to get on her mailing list because Danielle is the person who's going to help you with this. Oh, yes. I really, I'm really grateful for your work. It's really important to work.
0: Thank you. Oh, I hope so. I hope it's helping in some way. Um, so let's get down the road where you're experiencing damage to your voice, and now did and and so you went and and started working with um another vocal trainer. Was this person already in? The more contemporary music, oh yeah, yeah. He was a jingle
1: singer, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. He was, um, he was the voice of "Up in the Valley of the Jolly Green Giant." He was that guy. Oh, okay. You probably okay. don't remember it because you're too young. <laughs> Vaguely, so, <yeah. laughs> I mean, it, it, he. There was a there was a time in the, I guess, gosh, from the time I was a little kid, and then through the eighties really until the mid nineties where jingles were a thing mm-hmm. and Chicago was jingle central. Mm. There were a lot of people made a lot of money from jingle- jingles in Chicago for a good 40, 50 years. Yeah. And um, yeah. And he was one of them.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I miss, I miss the days of that. I haven't been called to do a jingle in long time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you're, you're you're beginning to develop your own private vocal studio where did uh where did your um understanding of this neuro vocal science come in
1: oh yeah yeah I wish there was a I need a I need I don't have a really good story about this because it was so uh, you know it was like the primal soup you know (laughs) Yeah, I so I'm a voracious reader. I've always been a reader. And mm-hmm. I read a book, a book by a neuroscientist named Oliver Sacks. And I read the book because it had a cute title. It was called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. <laughs> and isn't <that> cute <laughs> I, isn't that cute? So it was all these stories of neuroscience. And I'm like, Oh, that was fun. And then I got another neuroscience book and another neuroscience book. And I just started reading neuroscience books Mm -hmm. and then articles and then blah, blah, blah. And so I wasn't, I wasn't connecting the two at all, but there was a point, there was a point at which I did connect them and my head kind of blew up. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, wait a minute. You have to mm-hmm. sing in your brain before you can sing out your mouth. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know. my my. Uh, while I was being interested in just the notion of this, I also was teaching like 15 people a week mm-hmm. who were all my guinea pigs and didn't know it. Right. Because there was also a moment when, because all the people that I taught were microphone singers like me. Mm hmm. And there was. um. So, again, I'm teaching during the week, people like me, microphone singers. And then on the weekends, I'm gigging. And every place I gig is different than the night before, as you know, mm-hmm. it's the nature of the business. And there was a point at which I realized that none of us can hear ourselves. Mm
0: hmm.
1: And that the way that we practice, I mean, I I can articulate this better now than I could then, Mm -hmm. but when we practice, so, so we're in voice lessons, it's an acoustic environment generally, right? Mm -hmm. Our, our teacher or our coach is there and we're in there and it's a room. Sometimes they'll have a microphone, but even if they have a microphone, we can really hear ourselves really well because we're the only, we're the only game in town, right? At that point. And then we practice in the car, and we practice in the shower, and we practice in our li- in our living room, or we pa- right in all these acoustic environments. And then we go sing mm-hmm. on the microphone mm. with the guitar amp here, and the bass amp here, and the trap kit eighteen inches behind your butt, and the horn section in your ear, and right, and now, right. and and the monitors pointing at your kneecaps or your crotch. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) Right? Yep. And so you cannot hear yourself. And if you're sharing, if there are more than one singer, which there usually is, and you're Mm -hmm. singing at the same time, you literally can't differentiate your voice from the person you're singing. with. You just Mm -hmm. know that you're, you just know the chord tone you're supposed to be singing. Right. (laughs) Right. Backup vocals. Right. So, so you can't hear yourself. Mm -hmm. You hear yourself. If you hear yourself at all, It's radically different than it was in your car. Right. Sometimes, I mean, like I was at the rehearsal for this coming gig. We were in a room. We had monitors that were pointing in our kneecaps. But I was only hearing my voice as part of like the ethereal whole of all the music that was in the room. Mm -hmm. That's a very different way to experience your voice than any of the ways that I described before. Yeah, And so if you're training yourself to sing based on what you're hearing and what you're hearing is so different Mm. from what you trained for, then your brain is trying to figure out what to do. Mm. And this is that sense that singers have. And I know you've had it because everybody who's sung on a microphone has it of like, It's just a sense of emotional unease. Mm -hmm. Like I I know these people. I know my music. I know the venue. I got here an hour early. I'm good. But I have this sense of like, I'm not actually in the music. I'm just getting through the music. Yes. And trying not to sound bad.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And
1: by the way, I think that was part of why I burned out too, because mm-hmm. I was really sick of just trying to get through the music and not sound bad. Right. That is not a motivating sense,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So do you, uh, do you agree with me? Have you been in that?
0: Situation? Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. I still experience this today.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so what that has led me to is an understanding how brains work and understanding a little bit about how brains process sens- sensory information
0: mm-hmm.
1: and where brains collect sensory information from has helped me create this way of of teaching singers how to listen to their bodies from the inside mm. rather than responding by to what they're hearing.
0: Mm.
1: Which is a very, very different experience. And also, I think it is what great singers do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think when you're listening to Bruno Mars, for instance, let's say, great singer, pops to mind, Bruno Mm -hmm. Mars. I don't think he listens to himself all that much. I think he knows what singing feels like. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what he does. Yeah, It's what it feels like to him. Right. Which is another reason like he's able to be or somebody like Beyonce, right who are just so like fluent in their uh, vocal expression while they are also dancing and being bombarded by all this other sensory information, lights, audience, sound, people, all this stuff. Mm. And they're they don't they just don't have like the cognitive resources to pro- also process what do I sound like? Yeah. But they don't have to because that's not how they relate to their voices.
0: Right, right. That's really fascinating. I, the thing that's kind of occurring to me is is a good example of a, a singer who may already be, you know, in that heightened awareness or or having the uh, heightened feel of what singing is to them. Is the singer who does lose the monitor or does not, or loses connection, you know, Mm -hmm. with an in-ear system, but it's still able to feel the pit and not over-sing it or just
1: completely go out of of key, you know, would that be a good example? Yeah, it's perfect. I remember seeing James Taylor a while back, Mm -hmm. long while back, actually. But yeah, even that, that happened. Mm -hmm. Like he's singing. He's singing. He's just singing. And, he, you know, he sounds like, you know, butter melting on toast. That guy. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sing along. And then he gets to the end of the song. And he goes. Uh, he says into the microphone. Uh, I lost my monitor halfway through. Could you guys. And then they he talked a little while on the, on the microphone and a, a guy came out. <laughs> and he ran out again. Uh-huh. Nobody in the audience knew that that had happened. Even me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, super ears girl. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. because he doesn't really care that much. Yeah. He just knows what it feels like.
0: Right. Mm. So how do you, how do you start in your studio? How do you start um, to help singers begin to make those connections?
1: So it kind of depends on how long i'm going to get to work with somebody Mm -hmm. because brain work is organic and it depends on this thing called neuroplasticity so your your neurons in your brain they are comprised of the the cell body which is you know the body of the thing and then it has these things called dendrites and axons. And those are these spindly bits that come out from the cell body and they receive and send the information to the next door cell body.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And so when we are, we are always changing those connections. Every time Mm -hmm. you learn a new skill, you are changing those connections. Uh, Every time you're trying to call up an old memory you're changing those connections mm-hmm. so we're always doing this thing called neuroplasticity where we're we're changing the chemical or the mechanical makeup of our neural environment in our brains mm-hmm. when we do that on purpose it takes some time yeah and so if you think about any skill that you've ever learned on purpose so I don't know have you ever learned to like do something like rollerblade or anything like that?
0: I'm sure I have.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, let's imagine that you're going to learn to rollerblade. Okay. When you first get up on the skates, it's going to feel super weird Mm -hmm. because your brain is looking for a memory of that and it doesn't have one. Because you've mm-hmm. never been on those skates before. right. So your brain is not able to do what it does best, which is predict for things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if if every day you get up on those skates and it starts to become more familiar and your brain knows how to predict. and so you are engaged in the process of neuroplasticity. As you experience yourself getting better and better and better at rollerblading, more confident, more solid on the skates more on the blades more able to move forward more able to navigate bumpy pavement all this stuff mm-hmm. those skills that you are becoming familiar with represent the neuroplasticity that's happening in your brain
0: mm,
1: okay you are creating what I love to call a file
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's the it's your rollerblade file you have a file called rollerblade that has <laughs> to open before you can rollerblade Right. Um, So if I'm going to work with somebody for a while, Mm -hmm. then that's the process I engage in with them because that's the most reliable thing. If we can teach the singer how to change their neurology Mm -hmm. such that they respond to their singing in this other way, this more sensory way, um, rather than the listening way, Mm -hmm. then... They're they're golden. It and it's yeah. kind of cool because it happens a little bit magically, which is never stops being fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so if I'm gonna get to work with somebody for a while, that's the process we're gonna engage in. But that's usually because again, because it's organic, it takes you know, while three mm-hmm. at least three or four months that's mm-hmm.
0: gonna
1: take. But the things that the tools that I use to achieve that are also applicable. as as just as techniques. Mm -hmm. So if you were to come to me and say, Meredith, I, I love this song, but I don't love the way I'm singing it. Mm -hmm. Then we could work on that together. And I would be able to throw you some of these techniques that might give you the freedom or the more accurate expression that you're looking for as a singer.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So it's kind of nice that it does double duty. We could do the fast version or the slow version. But the thing is, whatever you and I work on together may or may not stick for you.
0: Right. This sounds like something every singer should have a foundation (laughs) in. But in your studio, what are some examples of challenges that singers come in with that you're able to help them with, with this?
1: method? Oh, that is a good question, Danielle. That is a very good question. Hmm. Okay. Here. All right. Can we t- can we talk about microphone singers for a minute? Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. Because <laughs> that's, that's who's watching this. Is <laughs> people who sing people who sing in bands or they're singer-songwriters or right? They're people who are gonna always sing on microphones. And sometimes those people are afraid to work with voice professionals. Mm-hmm. Have you found this to be true? Sure. Yeah. And what is your experience with them about why they're afraid?
0: Because they don't want to change their voice. They don't
1: want to be changed. They don't want to be changed, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is the big disconnect that mm-hmm. voice people who call themselves voice teachers because they don't understand what voice coach means in our world. That's I'm hoping to change that before I die. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> the difference. <laughs> um. So most people who train voice trained singers mm-hmm. they have come through a process where they have learned like you and I came through where they've learned to sing a certain way. but the the invisible thing that's really important it's 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 everywhere in their world is that they learned how to sing mm-hmm. because that kind of music is very specific and it's very rigid framework. Mm -hmm. And in order to call it the genre that it is, you have to sing based on those rules within that framework, right? right? So those people learned how to sing, and then they go out into the world and they teach other people how to sing. But people in popular styles don't want to learn how to sing. They know how to sing. If they're seeking out help, it's because they have an issue with their voice. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people, I would say way more often than not, people conflate voices and singing as though they are the same. They are not the same. Like people will say, oh, I love her. She has such a great voice. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe what you love about her is her voice, possibly very likely, though, what you really love about her is her singing, mm. mm-hmm. which is different than her voice. Right, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. So, as because singing's a skill, singing changes. You're mm-hmm. not the same singer you were that 20, ten years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've changed as a singer. Yes. So, when people are voice coaches for people of popular styles. They they may or may not understand that they're not trying to help someone with their singing. What they're doing is they're trying to help them with their voice, so that their voice, the voice, is responsive to the intentions of the singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when people come to me with problems, their problems are have everything to do with their voice. I I I hate my break. I have fati- well, I deal with a lot of professional singers, so fatigue is, there, is the number one reason. Yeah. Like, I have to be able to sing a four-hour gig tonight and then again tomorrow, right? And I have vocal fatigue, so that's a voice thing. They don't want to change the way they sing; they want to be able—they want to be able to sing two nights in a row. Yes. So the work that I do with people is about creating a responsive, a strong responsive voice that has a great range Mm -hmm. so that they can express themselves however they want.
0: Right. Right. And I
1: think that's, that's when people are afraid to go to get voice training, they're, they're afraid for a good reason. That's not an an unrealistic fear, fear.
0: Right. I agree.
1: And they don't know the question to ask. And the person who is offering their services also doesn't know the question to ask because mm-hmm. the question to ask is, are we learning to sing or are we learning, are we working to make a more responsive voice? Mm-hmm. Those are different things.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see that. Yes. I'm, you mentioned range and I think this will, uh, this will take us to the book that you wrote too everybody that walks through my door their number one goal is range you know yeah. they yeah. That's, that's the number one thing that they say is like oh i just i'd like to expand my you know range and um that coupled with wanting to learn to use a mixed register mm-hmm. you know and and have more power in the voice so where where and you have written a book called money notes how to sing high loud healthy and forever what how do you start with the singer who comes in with those questions maybe not necessarily the professional because like you said that that's that's generally you know addressing the fatigue feel of it but um just the singer who maybe hasn't learned the skill yet of right. you know um Changing from one register
1: to the other, I guess, is where
0: I'm getting it right,
1: right. Right. Oh, we it would be fun to talk with you about this over a beer sometime, see what okay. you do. <laughs> hey, with people next time I'm in Chicago, time yeah. <laughs> I'm in California. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, so that's that, that's the thing, the main thing that mm-hmm. people tend to want. And the holy grail of singing is what yeah, I call it. <laughs> it is the holy grail of singing. And I I have a very systematic way of teaching people that skill. First this, then this, then this, then this. Mm-hmm. And as they understand that skill, they move into being able to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. It's tricky and it takes some getting used to. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the challenges that singers can run into is that they think there's a simple answer. Mm-hmm. They think they can understand it in their brains. And you I know you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like if only these voice teachers would just tell us what the deal you know, is. Do. Just do it. You <laughs> just know tell me what to do. Just tell <laughs> me what to do, right? I'm smart. <laughs> I can understand in my head. so yeah. why are you not just telling me what to do? And, and as long as they're holding on to that idea, it's really going to stand in their way. Mm-hmm. It really is a process. It's not what your voice does naturally. I mean, yeah, once in a while, there's one of those annoying people that just does it naturally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I married one and gave birth to one. <laughs> they're annoying. Um, but <laughs> but okay. they're the exception, not the rule. The, right. the rule is it's challenging and it's not natural and you have to learn it and it's a skill.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if somebody has a way to do that, I mean, I have, because that's such a big deal in our industry, Mm -hmm. that's one of, that was one of my motivations for creating a very systematic this and this and this and this way of approaching getting those high, strong notes. But I will tell you one thing that I think you're, the people who are watching this might appreciate. I have a video that's called the number one secret to hitting your money notes. Mm-hmm. And in that video, and it's a really funny video, because I was like new to making videos. So I was using all these weird filters. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I'm like, oh my God. But, um, but yeah, who knows? In five years, it'll be retro and kitschy and cute. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but in it, there's a one minute compilation that I made of, A whole bunch of singers hitting their money notes. Boom, Mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. And when you hear it back to back like that, you notice a couple of really crucial things that we tend to miss in context. Mm -hmm. And that those two things are that it's not a nice sound. It ain't pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's not as big and fat as you think it is. It tends to be kind of skinny and whiny. Mm -hmm. And so when you take away the context of the song and the greatness of the singer and you just go, no, 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 that they're just belting out, right? Mm -hmm. You go, oh, oh, well, maybe the thing that I was shooting for isn't really the thing I actually want. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the reason I don't use the word belt. Right. Because I think that word holds people back. Yeah. Do you also agree with that? I
0: agree with that. I agree that in in vocal training, the whole language, the whole dictionary of singing is so messed up. Now we, we interchange, you know, our words for things just because they're. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody seems to have developed their own understanding. Of you know what these different terms mean, and I find myself cringing sometimes at myself <laughs> in lessons because I'm at a loss for words. Right, you know. Uh, so I'll I'll pull an antiquated idea of a word out and just think like I can't believe I'm saying this, but here goes. <laughs> but, but yes, I agree. With
1: something. <laughs> yeah, I know, and especially with registration, right? Right. Yes, I did a live stream last Monday. Um, that was about registration. And I started by saying there's a hard problem, a soft problem and a real problem with registration. Mm. The hard problem is we don't actually know exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, The soft problem is every one of us has our own subjective experience with it. Mm -hmm. And then the real problem is everybody wants to learn how to conquer it. Yes. (laughs) True. So So true.
0: Um, i'm curious to know how does how does this work for the singer who experiences performance anxiety is this a good area for singers to work with
1: i you know what i i would rather refer people to if someone says i'm reaching out to you because i have performance anxiety i refer them out because mm-hmm. that is not my area of expertise. And there are people out there who know so much more than I do about that. Um, that I I I just rather would stay in my lane. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> That's not my lane. That's so good of you. Most most
0: teachers are not like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Many of us are like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can do that. I can I'll do everything. <laughs>
1: Whatever it is, I'll do it. Oh, my. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing it a long time. And I I know what I'm really good at and what I'm really fast at. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know what I'm not great at. And also, I train voice coaches and voice teachers. Right. Which makes me aware of all these amazing talents and specialties that other Mm -hmm. voice professionals have. Mm -hmm. that I don't. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, you know what? I know someone who's way better at this than I am. Well,
0: love that about you, Meredith. And I have the honor and privilege of seeing behind the scenes what's going on, you know, in, in your career and the development of, you know, what you're doing and, and you really are an expert in this and you are, passionately an expert in this. And you care very, very deeply about um, the real science and the real humans that are, you know, interacting in this situation. Um, You're developing these, you know, well thought out, well polished programs for singers and for um, teachers, vocal coaches. Um, So I, I just, I can't stand behind, you know, what you do more. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I'm always in awe of, you know, what you have, what you have brewing. It's really. Thank you, Danielle. I I
1: appreciate that. you. I really, I'm really grateful that you, that you are interested in it and that you don't just go, Oh God, (laughs) there she goes again. I think it's absolutely
0: fascinating. It's, it's brilliant to me. And the more I learn about it, the more I think, yeah, oh, yep. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. So I'm a good example of, of, you know, someone who's like your ideal client, as far as like a teacher goes, because this is not um, an area that I ever learned. I mean, who's teaching this?
1: No, nobody. Yeah. And that's, I think it's so weird. Like the more I learn about this, I'm thinking, why am I the only one doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. why isn't everybody doing this? To me, it just is so shockingly obvious. The problem is shockingly obvious, you know, that we can't hear ourselves when we perform on mic. Like why, why am I the only one talking about this? We should all be talking about this. And in light of the fact that we can't hear ourselves when we perform, Why have we not come up with a different approach? Mm -hmm. And especially because this approach, I mean, going, using brain science, using neuroscience is just like so predictable. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So even with neurodivergent brains, because it's not, it it doesn't require that kind of processing. Right. Right. I'm so
0: glad you're doing what you're doing. And you are spreading the good word to the the vocal training field and you have a new, uh, workshop out, um, on teachable and it's called how to teach high rock belt in quotes. It's in quotes. Yeah, I have,
1: yeah, the, the two things. So I have one thing that's just like always available, which is that how to teach high rock belt. It's, um, yeah, it's on, it's, out, it's a self-paced, but it's only like 70 minutes total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've gotten so much great feedback about it. People find really useful stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I have a teacher training class coming up. And that I have one that starts on April 7th. It's the last one I'm doing for the year. And the classes are really small. Like a full class for me is 12 people. <laughs> Yeah. Because I give them so much attention in TLC. So, um, so they that. So yeah, I do private coaching for singers and Mm -hmm. voice pros, any, any flavor of voice professional Mm -hmm. or actually even, you know what? I have a couple avocational singers that I adore Mm -hmm. because they're not trying to make a living out of it. They just, they just love singing there. I love working with them. Um, Yeah. So those, so you have the teachable thing. I do one-on-one and then I do the classes for professionals.
0: That's great. And for the, um, for the, how to teach high rock belt, you have generously given us a 50% off code, which is unstoppable. And I will put the link in the comments right now, which I failed to pull up ahead of time. That's but, right.
1: Unstoppable audience gets the unstoppable promo code Yes. to get the thing for half price. Oh, thank you so much. And actually, much. you know, the how to teach high rock belt thing could actually help singers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have how to teach because I'm talking to teachers, but it's, all, it's stuff that singers should know, too. Right. Yeah. Completely. It's really, I mean there's you know a moment or two of fancy language but i mostly i explain my fancy language so yeah i mean if somebody's the kind of singer where they're super interested in how their singing works and mm-hmm. how to be more in charge of their own singing they would love that too yeah
0: i, I could definitely see that but i for one i can't wait to take your course um the more I hear about it, the more fascinated I am by it. So I'm just, you know, again, I really want to acknowledge, you know, what you're doing. I think it's so needed in our field. And I just feel so honored to have a front row seat to what you have going on. And um, thanks. Daniel. I put the link in the comments, but I also posted up your uh, Instagram, LinkedIn and your website so that everybody can check out just more about you in right. general.
1: Yeah. I mean, I put up a lot of content because I like to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So, and I try to think about like what questions have come up and what will help people. And so, yeah. So I have a lot of content on YouTube and the socials and I have a really active blog. And so I, I do, you know, I do have to make a living. Sometimes I can't generate free stuff constantly, but mm-hmm. sure. But I do, <laughs> I do try to do, you know, offer up, uh, free stuff as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And
1: bringing us- Kind of like you. Wait a minute. Uh, kind of like you with your Unstoppable. Are you offering it free again this year?
0: That's. It's always free. It is always free to attend the Unstoppable wow. Singer Summit. So we'll wow. be back May 15th through the 17th. So you'll be hearing- more than you ever wanted to hear about it pretty soon
1: <laughs> oh no i can't get enough of it i think it's just such an incredible event it's an incredible event your lineup last year made my head spin i couldn't believe what kind of people you had just sharing all of their smarts i mean they including still, you <laughs> well yes i was one of the speakers but i i'll yeah i mean i was Yeah, that was actually really fun. Thank you for having me, by the way. That was really fun. Um, But yeah, like just like one after another, after another, after another, all talking about stuff that's relevant to working singers. Yeah. Or people who want to be working singers. Mm -hmm.
0: There's some great leaders, some great mentors out there, people with amazing information. And if I just wanted to be as accessible to as many singers as possible because we need it, you know, after going through COVID and experiencing everything we, we did, you know, being kind of left out in the cold like that, yeah. you know, we got to learn from that and prepare ourselves, you know, for the future and protect ourselves.
1: Yeah. But, well, it's an amazing event and I cannot believe that you basically put it on yourself. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, how did she do that?
0: I'm a weirdo. That's why you are a weirdo, a weirdo in the weirdo. best way. In
1: the best way.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can't wait to have you back again this year. We've already got you in the lineup. Yay! Um, so I'm just, I'm gonna bring us home to our last uh, question of the night, so I can give you the rest of your evening back. Um, going back to your, you know, your study and the programs that you put together, I have seen you have had many many challenges to overcome with, you know, getting your messaging across, getting people to understand or being open to understanding, you know, what it is that you're doing Uh, that along with everything that has led you through your personal and musical journey until now, what makes you unstoppable?
1: What makes me unstoppable is the idea that I can help the next young singer have her voice without all the struggles that you and I had. Mm. That if somebody takes, if I can train a voice coach to change the way she helps her clients, that means... That one voice coach is going to affect dozens, hundreds of lives. Mm -hmm. And the idea that my work can make all of these young musicians empowered Mm -hmm. to, to share their voice and to find that community that music offers and, you know, to just like be free musicians and artists and expand into their craft and their art without all the baggage.
0: Yeah.
1: Like if I can contribute to that singer's journey, that, that fires me up.
0: Yeah. What a beautiful ripple effect it has. <laughs> not to mention that learning this reaches into many other areas of your life. It's not just right. the singing.
1: <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. People don't, don't really don't appreciate it. How, when you, when you really start taking your singing seriously, how, yeah, that ripple effect, Mm -hmm. how it affects so many other things in your life.
0: Yeah, it really does. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at unstoppablesinger. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I have spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. Thanks so much for joining.